It's a new case. Sorry. Good morning, everyone. I feel it always needs to be said. God is good. How often again? Yes. May not always feel good, but he's always good. Father God, we just thank you for this wonderful day. And Father, we purpose in our hearts that this is the day that you have made. And we shall rejoice and be glad in it. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. You've made this day. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you that you are here. And we know by faith you're here. We're two or more gathered in your name. You're in the midst, Lord. We know we've not been abandoned, for you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. And though trying times may cause us to, to doubt or wonder, it may tempt us to doubt or wonder, let us be reminded of what your word says. That we might know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Let your word be our anchor in the storm. And Father, we just bless you. We, ask, uh, we thank you for the work you've already begun and that you shall continue to do. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, during prayer this morning, I, uh, share with Lisa what, what God put on my heart. And there was a bit of a gear shift. Those of you who've ministered the word probably know what I'm talking about. You, you're all systems go in one direction. And then the, the night before you're supposed to share, all of a sudden God says, whoa, how are you going to do this? And uh, so I'm up here saying God is good. But it isn't totally... Um, a surprise to me because it's something that had been stirring in my heart for a month ago and I kind of put it on the shelf and God brought it up when he wanted it brought up. And I hope that hope that it ministers to those who it's intended to minister to. Um, as Kyle said, um, I had a scare last week. Uh, with my mom uh, having a stroke last Saturday. And and uh, I do want to give a praise report that she is out of the hospital now. And um, it, uh, it could have been so much worse. But um, I'd like your continued prayers. Uh, but she's able to fully dialogue and talk. She's not impaired in that way. She's able to walk. So... Nothing's impaired from the waist down and so forth. Um, 
She has the use of her arm. The only thing she lost use of is her left hand. And uh, and just from the time it happened Saturday to the time we came back to Oklahoma, she had already began to regain some functionality in that left hand. And uh, they've released her to rehab. She's going to be doing it in Waco, where two of my sisters live. And uh, she's doing well enough that they're doing it outpatient, so she doesn't have to require 24-7 care. And so... Um, and uh, we're going to go with lifestyle change and medication, and uh, we'll see what the next two to three months brings us, you know. So, uh, but, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm rejoicing in the Lord, you know, because uh, my mom's still here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we, still, we still get the blessing of having her in our lives, and... Um, and uh, do a better job of cherishing those moments that we have. Amen? So, like I said, um, but that kind of uh, informed, I guess, the title of my message today. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kind of going to go over. The title is, Whoa, Lord. I'm going to talk about those Whoa, Lord moments. <laughs> In life. Can anybody relate to that? I wish it were so that walking with the Lord would could spare us those moments, but uh, you know, uh, it's not God's will to spare us from everything, but to be there with us to help us through those times. And I'm not going to get uh, real deep or anything, but I want to go through several stories in the Bible that I feel kind of reflect different facets of those whoa, Lord moments that we might encounter in life. And maybe you might be able to relate to one of them at least. One of those whoa, Lord moments could be, the way I defined it, whoa, Lord moments, is sudden or unexpected life-altering event in our Christian life. There may be a better definition, but that's mine. When you're speaking, you can use a different one, but we're going to go with mine today. I want you to go to Luke 1, verse 26. And I chose to just title this one, uh, you know, a warlord moment could be a shocking revelations that affect you personally. Shocking revelations that affect us personally. Luke one twenty six. What is that? <laughs> All right. Now, again, I'm going to read these and whatever God puts in my heart, um, I'm going to share out of that. But. Starting at verse 26, now this will, this will qualify as a woe Lord moment. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, 
The angel said, greetings, favored one. First of all, an angel manifesting to you. That's a woe Lord moment in and of itself. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen carefully. You will conceive in your womb. They talk about a woe Lord moment. You will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and eminent and will be called the son of the most high. And I'm sorry, I'm reading the Amplified. So, <laughs> son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. No end. Now, Mary asked the question that I think all of us would ask. How will this be since I am a virgin and have no intimacy with any man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And listen, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For with God, nothing is or ever shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. You know, I know I, I, I can't personally relate to being told that or anything, so. But uh, I guess still, I'm going to try and do my best being a guy in everything. But just imagine God coming to you, coming to this, this girl. She's never known a man. She's betrothed to a good man. Obviously, she loves the Lord. Obviously, she's, a, she, she's full of faith. She walks in the way of the Lord. And that's why she was chosen, right? But it's also obvious that God didn't prepare her. There were no warning signs. There was nothing that kind of softened you know, the blow of what he approached her. He just hit her with it. Hey, Angela shows her, hey, favorite one. I'm Gabriel coming down from heaven. Meet you face to face. How you doing? You're a part of God's plan. You're just going to be pregnant and have the Holy One of Israel Think about that. She's going to carry the son of the most high God in her precious womb. And the child is going to be placed in her womb supernaturally. 
Who can comprehend that? Who can wrap their minds about? Can, would you say that that's a life-altering event? And yet here she is. You know, she's asking questions, but obviously she's not asking questions in doubt and unbelief. She's asking questions to seek understanding, I believe, so that she can partner with the will of the Heavenly Father. Right? And so, 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 so that's the posture that she's taking. I don't, I don't get this, but it's pretty apparent that this is a God thing. I don't understand what you're saying fully. Uh, can you answer this question for me? Okay, how that's going to happen? Okay, yeah, this, this is how that's going to happen. And I am moved and blessed by her, her humility and her faithfulness that she is told something so amazing. And then she says, you know what, Lord? Be it unto me according to your will. Now, let's be real. She's in a relationship. And how many of you guys, if your woman came to you said, I'm pregnant, is going to believe that God placed it there. Anybody, show of hands. I didn't think so. So it's not just her and God. She's also involved in a relationship. And how is that man going to treat her in a culture in, in that culture, at the time especially. Go over to Matthew chapter 1. Because I want to talk about Joseph too. Because these stories are linked together, right? Because it's not just affecting his life. It's affecting, her life is affecting his life as well. But Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 And I'm going with New King James Version here. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Sorry, brother. <laughs> I think more people can partner with me. Doing that. <laughs> now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So needless to say, he's not thinking this was a holy thing that happened here, but he's not trying to ruin her life. He's not having her publicly stoned. He's not trying to make an example out of her. He, he's a good-hearted man who was going to put her away, but secretly to spare her reputation, you know? And I think given the circumstances, that was commendable. That was his plan. But 
While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And let's skip down to verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Yeah, I got to confess to you, that's, that's really difficult to to get my mind around and to relate to that. I mean, you have really got to be sensitive to the will of the Lord. You've got really got to be surrendered to God working in your life to even get to a place to where you can behave in obedience <laughs> to the Lord the way that these two individuals did in this story. Could God have done it a different way? Sure he could have, but he chose to do it the way that he did it. And that's how he works in our lives. His will is his will. He chooses to work the way that he chooses. How will we respond? Will we obey him? Will we surrender to the way he wants to work and allow him to do it? Because there is always a reason why he does it the way that he's doing it. He's, it's not just for the sake of doing it, but it's in accordance with the work that he's doing in us. And here we have this virtuous young woman chosen to be the mother of Jesus, this honorable man, both of them put in a life-altering, difficult situation. But once they knew that it was God's work and God's will, they put their hands to the plow, they surrendered their hearts, and they were all in, in obedience with him. And they didn't worry about the consequences. They just obeyed him. Please turn to Acts chapter 9. I want to get through several stories and then we'll we'll bring it we'll bring it together and bring it to a conclusion. So those first two I would say represented the shocking revelations that affect you personally. This one involves a man named Ananias. And this woe Lord moment is God asking him to do something at great personal risk.
you know, and I wasn't going to do it, but I, I am. We're going to start at verse 1 because I'd like to, I like to cover the preceding events <laughs> so, that, so that we have proper context. At verse 1, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Of the way, those who are Christ followers, believers. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So, except for the people with him, nobody knows the encounter that Saul had with the Lord. All any Christian, any believer knows at this point is that Saul is endorsing the abuse and murder of Christians and that he is getting written legal agreement, authorization to have them bound and imprisoned. So he's a bad guy. He's an enemy of the followers of the Lord. That's all anyone knows. Along comes verse 10, Mr. Ananias. God has a plan that involves him. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias just jumped up immediately and went, right? <laughs> then Ananias answered in verse 13, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose 
and was baptized. Hallelujah. That's a great testimony of what happened, right? But it involves some risk. And in each one of these stories so far, the individuals had to count the cost. In each, in, and it tells me in each of these stories, God is not afraid of our questions. He's not offended by our questions. Ananias asked the sensible one, whoa, whoa, that's all? I heard bad things about that dude. You sure you want me to go there? Yeah. I've got plans for him. And I've chosen you as a vessel of honor to go and minister to him. Despite what he's done, despite where he's at, as far as you know, I'm doing a work in him, and he will also be a vessel of honor for, of mine, and he will minister to the Gentiles, the kings, and the Israelites, and so forth. And so God, not only did he not reprimand him for the question, he gave him a full explanation for why he needed him to go to minister to that man. And he obeyed. And sometimes the miracles that we long for, those unbelievable and amazing signs that God is working and so forth, requires us to be out of comfort and safety in order for them for us to be in a place where those can take place. Are you hearing me? God will pull us out of that place of comfort and safety and tell us to go to a place we may be fearful to go. Because it is the sick that need the physician, right? It's where the darkness is that the light needs to shine. It's where deception and lies abound where truth needs to be brought, right? And so God sent him, and he obeyed, and, and we all know how the story ends as far as uh, Saul becoming uh, an, an apostle and a, such a great man of God and uh, advancing the, uh, the, the gospel, uh, unbelievably so. This next one hits a little bit close to home. I want you to go to John 11. And I appreciate y'all bearing with me as we get through these. But God is good, right? I can, man, I could talk about this story um, without even reading it. I can pretty much, there's so much there. Starting at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. 
It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Say, for the glory of God. That the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, <laughs> when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. <laughs> you know, let me think about that. He loved him so much, he, he, he sat there, he stayed there for two more days before he went. Hmm? He did not go immediately. And uh, I know I can certainly relate to prayer and more prayer and more prayer. Where are you, God? The situation hasn't changed. Still going through it. I started praying a week ago, two weeks ago, two months ago, two years ago. Where are you at, God? I needed you now the first day I started praying. Now it's two years. I'm feeling alone, abandoned, where you're at. But he stayed two more days. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. We're already beginning to see that they pray for one thing, but God's plan is to do another. At the end of the day, he's going to end up alive and well. <laughs> but God's going to work it in a way that's different than what they were hoping for when they, had, when they began praying. You, you get it? Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Go up to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am, say I am, the resurrection and the life. Say it again, I am the resurrection and the life. And he goes on to say, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. He has a similar experience with Mary. She says the same thing. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Now, anybody here believes he didn't know where they laid him? Hmm? He says, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see. And the story goes on. And he tells them to roll the stone away. And they object and say, Lord, I got, he's been in there a while now. He got to be stinking by now. And, and if we personalize this story and personalize this situation, isn't that how we feel about our stuff? Sometimes, you know, we've had hope. We've cried out to the Lord. We wanted God to come and fix something by a certain time frame. God didn't arrive by a certain time frame. After a while, our, our mentality starts to sour a little bit. We're sitting in this, and, and, and we feel like we're entombed in this nastiness, this nasty, smelly situation. And so we try to cover it up because we don't want everybody else smelling what's this thinking stuff that's going on. We don't want anybody else seeing this decaying, rotting mess that's in our lives, right? We, we had hope that God would do something, but it's too late now. Are you hearing it? I know I can relate to that. I hope, I'm sure... I ain't the only one. And yet, the Lord shows up. And he's ready to perform a miracle. He's ready to, to, to breathe life into the situation. He's ready to make that which was dead come alive again. But he requires something of you in order to do it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go there. Take me there. Show me. That dead place. Take me to that dead, smelly place. And I want you to peel back. Roll away the stone. I, I, I want the full experience. I want you to be fully transparent, fully open with me. I know it's going to be awkward. I know it's going to be painful. I know it's going to be challenging to you 
uh, in your soul, emotionally, but but you're going to have to roll the stone away. You're going to have to let that thing, the stench of it come out. So they rolled the stone away. They took away the stone, verse 41, from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And I'm going to go on to verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Now, Jesus started off saying that this is not unto death, but this is for the glory of God. So rather than come and heal him to prevent him from dying, he delayed his coming allowed the death to occur because he had something greater, something that could impact a greater number of people. He had something else in mind. And Mary and Martha really had to endure, right? Because this is a, their brother. This is someone that's, that, that they love dearly. And you're like, well, why, why would God do it that way? Why would he put them through this? I have no idea. You know, uh, 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 uh. His thoughts and ways are not ours. But I do know we can trust him. I do know that he's faithful. I do know that whatever he allows us to encounter, that he will work it all out somehow for our good. So it's just a matter of in that, in that situation, Somehow, cutting through the emotions that would tempt us to 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 work contradictory to the will of God, that would that that would tempt us to judge God in ways counter to what Scripture says about Him, that would cause us to shrink away instead of draw near, that would cause us to speak lies and deception to ourselves instead of speaking what we know to be true and right in the Word of God. And I believe, now this is not, uh, I, I'm just going to say, this may be, um, this, I don't know, this may affect the theological sensibilities of some, but, but this is me. If it ends up being wrong, it ain't God, it's me, all right? But I believe, you know, Scripture says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Now, Jesus is a man that never sinned, right? I mean, he was obedient to God 
every day of his life. So I got to believe he knew, he knew how to obey. He knew obedience. He never disobeyed the father. However, I think that there is, there's a difference between obeying when it's easy and obeying God through something. And he believed, he, he, he learned to obedience through the things that he suffered. You know, and I just believe God wants to encourage and challenge us to, in that, in the discipline of obeying him through difficulties, through challenges, through hardships, through trials, through temptations, not dreading them, but we can rejoice in the Lord and rejoice in them because we know that there are benefits that's going to arise from this. Somehow, some way, I can't make it out. My finite brain cannot understand what good can come of this, but I know the one who has allowed it, and he will somehow work it out for my good. Even those things that feel that in your life or in your heart that feel as though they've died. And the hope that you once had may not be there anymore. I believe God wants to awaken that hope again and let you know he's not done in that area of your life. What you thought was dead shall live again. Sure, you didn't want it to die. You wanted God to save it in its former glory, for lack of a better word. But, 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 but God's going to do something more glorious. And just like in this story, it's going to impact the lives of many. As God is working through you, and as that thing that was dead comes to life, it will be for the glory of God, and who knows how many people will give their hearts to the Lord through the experience, through your obedience, as you learn to, to be obedient to him through that trying time you're encountering. Amen? And I'm not done. Last story, Luke 1 again, verse 5. I've got, I've got till uh, 1.30, right? Okay, all right. I know the whole concept of woe, Lord, implies that there's always something negative, something to be stressed about, something that we have to brace ourselves for. But God can do some amazing woe, Lord, things in our lives, too. You know? So it's not just the negative side of things. It's also 
the positive side of things. And I consider, you know, it's not too late for your woe Lord miracle to happen. And I, I hope you see that in this, in this story. Luke 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Say righteous before God. Okay, and it goes on to say, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I mean, these are good Bible-believing, <laughs> you know, a uh, 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 man, man and woman of God. They walk in the ways of the Lord. They're not lukewarm. They're on fire for God. And yet, it says in verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Say, well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled in fear fell upon him. You know, it always amazes me. The angel just shows up, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, he just shows up. How, how is anyone going to respond to anything but fear? But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And it kind of ties into the previous story I went over. Here it is. Obviously, they've been praying for a child since she was in childbearing age. Now they're advanced in years, well past childbearing time, right? And here comes the angel of the Lord after I don't know how many years, you know, but they were young. They ain't young anymore. All right? And then the angel of the Lord comes in their advanced years, and it says, your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, would you say that's a woe, Lord? <laughs> I, I would say that qualifies as a woe, Lord moment. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And I think because, I kept wondering, man, 
Mary asked a question. She didn't get punished. Joseph asked a question. He didn't get punished. But poor Zacharias. <laughs> What's going <laughs> What is going on here? I said, well, you know, he was a priest. He should have known better, you know. Or maybe because, you know what, never talk about a woman's age. And so maybe, <laughs> so maybe the angel had to, you know, gave him a little bit of the business because of that. He was all right to call himself old, but hey, you leave your wife out of it. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And I think therein lies the difference. You know, I believe that with Mary and Joseph and the others, that there was questions, but there was questions with uh, with, with, with the with the intent and desire to believe. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand because I want to get my heart there to partner with you. Whereas Zacharias just did not believe it. <laughs> you know, this makes no sense. I, I can't even go there. And so the angel said, you know what? We're not going to even risk you being able to say something dumb to, 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 to ruin this thing. We're just going to make you mute until this whole thing comes to pass, and then we'll let you open your mouth again. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. You know, and uh, uh, you know, and, and, and here she was, a relative to Mary. She was able to be there for her, to help her. Both of them had miraculous births and everything, and and uh, uh, we know the impact that John had, um, uh, Zacharias and, uh, and and Elizabeth's son. He prepared the way for the Lord. All of these things maybe God could have done it a different way. Maybe God could have made things easier on the people, but God works the ways that He works. And it's up to us whether we're going to surrender to his way and how he wants to, how he wants to use us. In all these examples, we see people surrender their hearts to the Lord. And I don't know, I'm, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and, uh, Ministry team, if you all would please come up, I'd appreciate it. I'll just stop right there.
I don't know where you're at this morning. There are so many woe Lord moments in Scripture, man. <laughs> uh, I had to whittle it down to the ones that I used. But I just, I just trust that the ones that the ones that I used were what God wanted used. And I trust that each and every one of them, those stories, those situations, the people and characters involved, the challenges that they faced, the decisions they were confronted with, the choices that they made, They may not be exactly like yours, but I'm hoping that in some way they, at least one of them resonated with you. And maybe it resonated with you because you are in a Lord moment like that right now. And I believe God wants to encourage you. And I believe God wants to minister to you. And, 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 and maybe it might require you rolling away a stone and, 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 and allowing that, that smelly dead thing to, to manifest. <laughs> so that the Lord can resuscitate it. So that the Lord can braise it up again and breathe life. into what had died. Maybe there was hope, hopeful expectation, and full of faith. Maybe you were full of faith about what God said, about what God was going to do in your life and through you and so forth and so on. But after a passage of time, You've just lost hope and given up on God ever being able to use you in that way. And I hear you, and, I, and I'm here to tell you that is not so. I'm here to tell you that God is not done. I'm here to tell you that passage of time does not mean that God can't do what he said he will do. Nothing is impossible with God. Say that with me. Nothing. Is impossible with God. Hallelujah. Lord, we just, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the way that you're ministering to hearts, minds, souls right now, Father God. As the Holy Spirit is stirring things up. The Holy Spirit is, is even now breathing life. <laughs> Who knows what it is in your heart to do, Lord? Even say, even though we say do it, Lord. Have your will, have your way. I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite you, any and all to come. 
and bring your woe, Lord, moment to the altar. Let the Lord meet you where you're at. If you need prayer, we have a ministry team here that will love on you, pray with you, comfort you, encourage you, strengthen you as the Lord enables them to. Now, this is a moment. A moment for you, a right now moment for you to experience breakthrough. Woe moments get our attention. God wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to know where you end and where he begins and that, and that, and that your limitations are not his limitations. Can, would you mind uh, playing some worship music or the worship team playing something? Hallelujah. So the altar is open for anyone who would come. Wherever you're at, bring the dead thing that it might live again. Hallelujah. Bring the lost hope that that hope may be restored unto you. If you're still waiting on that woe, Lord, miracle, a woe, Lord, miracle that you've been believing God for, and you think the time has passed for it to even possibly come to pass, bring it to the Lord. If Zacharias and Elizabeth can experience that woe, Lord, moment in their advanced years, then surely the God who is no respecter of persons, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, can and will do the same for you. Hallelujah. And let the King of be the shadow where I hide The ransom for my life Oh, he's my son Yes, you are You're good Oh, you are good You're good Oh, you are I would ask for your standing You're good if you would just lift up those who've come, just where you're at, however God leads you. Maybe these who have come need the prayer cover and prayer support of their brothers and sisters in the Lord.
And you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. No, Lord, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Praise the Lord. God is good. I just want to uh, go ahead and say for for those of you uh, who are not uh, participating in the ministry time, that concludes the service. You are released and free to go. I would I would just ask that you honor the work of the Spirit and. Uh, you know, hold your conversations and everything out in the foyer so that, you know, so that everyone can, uh, so that the work of the Lord can go unhindered. Jesus' name. God bless you as you go. you